So last week we began a new series, um, kind of in, in an attempt to, uh, to push back on a developing narrative that we often hear uh, people say, this idea that, that when everything goes back to normal, right, something, something magical is going to happen, something mystical is going to happen, when everything goes back to normal, life all of a sudden is going to be wonderful. Right? And so we began this new series. We're calling it Your New Normal Starts Now. Your New Normal Starts Now. The events of the past year have been unlike anything that most of us have ever experienced in our lifetime. It's brought more challenges, more tears, confusion, sadness, division, and fear than we would ever, ever realize as we went into 2020. However, being a half, uh, the, the glass is half full kind of a guy, um, I've got to admit that if I'm really honest, we have to admit that there's been some, some real positive things that we have learned over the course of this time that I don't want to wait until things that things don't go back to normal, whatever, whatever that is, to put in motion some of the, the things that I've discovered about myself, about my, uh, about my ministry, about my, my, about my life. I don't want to wait until somebody rings the bell and tells me everything is back to normal, proceed as, as usual. I've learned some things I want to share with you these last uh, these next couple of weeks, and, and I think that we don't need to wait for that to happen. But our new normal starts now. Last week we celebrated Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the most monumental moment in the history of mankind. No other, more, no other significant moment can eclipse the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus defeats death so that death can no longer have a grip on me. And because of that, as we looked at last week, I can look death dead in the face and say, death, you can't touch me. Jesus was victorious over death and therefore I am as well. My new normal is I've been given life. I've been given hope. I've been given freedom. I've been given joy in this life as well as the life that is to come when I'm in the presence of the Lord. And death, you can't touch me. This morning, continuing along that same theme of your new normal starts now, the title of my message is this, Pace you're not the boss of me. Pace, you're not the boss of me. You know, when COVID arrived on the scene, the pace of life as we knew it came to a screeching halt, didn't it? It's like all of a sudden, right, everything was going, you know, normal and busy and crazy and the pace was pretty consistent, and then all of a sudden, COVID arrives, and the pace of life comes to a screeching halt. Businesses were shut down. 
Our ability to gather, gather together as the church certainly was limited as well. We needed to rethink how we would do that. The expressways, right? I mean, even the expressway had no traffic. How wonderful that was, right? The Long Island Depressway, you can just kind of drive on through without having to worry about a rush hour and HOV lanes. You were able to just kind of proceed as you wanted to go. The stores were, were empty. Things had, had come to a, a halt. Like it or not, the pace of life that we grew accustomed to, especially for us as New Yorkers, which have a pace that is unlike anywhere else in the country, um, it all changed very quickly. I think if anybody told us in advance what, what life would look like, we would have never believed it. But you remember when it kind of came to that halt in those first couple of months? Remember how awkward it was? I don't know about you, but I kind of like, you know, I kind of th kept thinking to myself like, this is, like, am I allowed to do this? Like, I, I can't leave my house? Surely somebody's going to tell me it's all a joke. And I don't know about you, but I, I kind of felt the need to let everybody know I was busier you know, than everybody else. Like, you know, you kind of felt like you had to justify the fact that you didn't see me, so I just want to let everybody know that, that I'm busy. Because it was an awkward time. It was like, especially if you're one of those type A, 100 mile an hour kind of people, it was kind of like, what do I do with this time, right? And then, and then something wonderful happened. You, you began to embrace it. It's like, you know, this, this isn't so, so bad. And then, and then if you're willing to admit it or not, you began to enjoy it. I think it's important to know, to know how and to know when to slow down. Slowing down could be a wonderful act of worship to God. Well, things are thankfully beginning to pick up, it appears. People are starting to get out of their houses, businesses are starting to open. We are able to gather together again, uh, finally. Things are, are more accessible. And hopefully, as if this trend continues to go in the direction that it appears to be going, the opportunity to do what you want, where you want, when you want, will be your decision again. But with that, comes the demands that were once on you. And with the demands comes the pace that perhaps kept you from being the you that you really wanted to be. The you that your pace wouldn't allow you to develop. The pace of life can, can be a real bully sometimes. Right? It could be mean and nasty. It screams really loud. It's, it's very demanding. Have you noticed it's not very sensitive to your priorities? In fact, it tries to dictate to you what your priorities ought to be. Deadlines, projects, paperwork, meetings, exams, Drive the kids here, take them there, see the grand, grandkids, celebrate that. Whatever it may be, our calendars fill up very quickly with these events that tend to pull us in every direction. And somewhere, 
in there, you try to, you try to find out when can I find some time for me? When, I can, when can I do the things, how many have, how many have said this pre-COVID? I can't wait for things to slow down so I can do something that's, that's meaningful to me. Somebody hit the pause button. I need to slow down. But you see, the bully of pace is not sympathetic to your needs. It cares not. And the one thing I would hear over and over again from people in this past year was, and, and, and honestly, just to be totally honest, I said it a number of times as well, is this. It was so nice to be forced to slow down. It was so nice to be told I can't go where I wanted to go. Even for the ones, you know, God bless our, our essential workers and, our, and our, 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 the medical community that obviously didn't experience a lot of the slowdown that I'm speaking of today. But, but even outside of those environments, the life and the pull of things from um, things outside of work gave you an opportunity to, to slow down a little bit. Gave you some permission to slow down. I don't know about you, but I, I, think that, I think that people didn't realize until they slowed down just how tired they really were. How maxed they really were. Sometimes the emotions were right on the surface, but we didn't get a chance to slow down enough and to pause enough to see how we felt. And so that, that pause that we experienced kind of was a bit of a welcomed experience. But as things, Lord willing, begin to fully open again, and the pace from your past is expected to be now applied to your present, you better have a plan. You better have a plan so that you don't end up right back into that maxed out place that you were before. You can't wait for things to get back to normal and then assume that you're going to take control of your life. It won't work. You'll be right back to where you were, that place of exhaustion that you once were. It's all I'm here to remind you that your new normal starts now. And you've got to look the pace dead in the face and say, pace, you're not the boss of me. I'm not going to run at a pace that keeps me from those who are dear to me and keeps me from my God. Because oftentimes that's exactly what the pace of life does to us. It keeps us from the things that ought to be the primary priorities of our life, namely our family and our God. I want to talk to you about the importance of slowing down. You say, we've been slowed down for a long time. That's right. But you know what? Things might be changing, Lord willing. And now's the time to have the conversation about how are you going to control your pace? about creating a rhythm that, that regardless of what's going on around you, it will not keep you from God's best for your life because that's what the high, um, heightened pace oftentimes does is it keeps us from God's best in our life because in the end of the day, God does not want you maxed out. 
God does not want you exhausted. God doesn't want you on empty. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So how do we get to the point where we can, where we can say, pace, you're not the boss of me. Man. Hey, that sounds real good, Pastor Tony, but like, you don't know where I work. You don't know the demands that are placed on me. That really sounds good in theory, but there's no possible way that I can pull back. I suggest to you that there is clearly ways in which you can pull back. How do we control our pace so that, listen, we can be more effective in the areas that God has placed us? How do we get to the point where we can say, pace, you're not the boss of me? Well, here's the thing. In order to get to that place, we need to take a moment of pause and consider how we got there in the first place. Nobody put you on that hamster wheel. You jumped on, and so did I. Nobody creates my pace for me. I, am, I willingly allow that pace to be introduced into my life. Something I'm saying, something I'm doing, something I'm being open to allows this pace to become the normal reality for my life. But my new normal needs to start now. Because oftentimes the pace that many of us have been a part of, it's not sustainable. It's not healthy. It's not what God wants from you. And so we need to talk about why why do we allow that to happen? Why do we allow the pace of life to bully us, to dictate to us, and to drive us at a speed that is unhealthy? And so we're going to take a look at a very familiar psalm um, this morning, Psalm 46. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. And, and we're going to take a look because I think that there's some, some really good um, parallels to what the psalmist is seeing and declaring uh, that kind of run parallel with our current environment and might speak into our situation on how do we stop? How do we, why do I allow this pace to control me all the time? Psalm 46, I'm going to read through the whole, the whole passage and then we'll go back and take a look at it. Psalm 46 in verse one, the psalmist declares, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And you'll see second time on this, you'll see this Selah on there. What does that mean? It means stop, pause, meditate on that. And he says, come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. 
think on that. The psalmist kind of looks out and sees and paints a picture of utter chaos. The psalmist looks out and sees trouble. He sees the earth is, is giving away. The mountains are, are collapsing into the sea. He sees waters that are, are roaring and foaming. He sees mountains that are trembling, nations that are raging, and kingdoms that are tottering. The psalmist points a pic, paints a picture of events on the outside that look like utter chaos. The pace of events that the, the psalmist is picturing is nothing less than overwhelming. And yet in the midst of it all, he declares that internally, despite what's going on around him, there is a river. There, there is peace in his soul. What are some of the things the psalmist points out that enabled him to have peace in the midst of the storm. Because if we look at that passage of scripture and we consider some of the things that he says, it really does seem to kind of paint a picture of what a lot of what we see going on in the world around us. We see chaos. We see the earth giving way, the mountains figuratively collapsing and the roaring of the sea and the foaming. And it's just kind of like how many times we look and say, what in the world is going on around us? How did everything get so crazy so quickly? And so it's this picture of, of chaos. And so this passage of scripture, it runs very parallel to what we, we oftentimes see. And yet the psalmist sees and walks in a peace in the midst of it. What was it in him that enabled him to not be distracted by the things that are going on around him, not be controlled by the things that are going on around him, but maintain his peace in the midst of it. And what I want us to talk about this morning is what causes people to succumb to the overwhelming pace of life? We can never address the pace of our life until we address the why behind the pace. Why do I do what do I do? Why have I allowed this to take place in my life? What are some things that drive my, um, my allowance of this happening? What causes people to succumb to the overwhelming pace of life? Number one, it's the feeling of being alone. The feeling of being alone. When I feel like everything, maybe you can relate with this, I feel like everything is up to me. It's all on me to make something happen. Nobody understands like I understand. Nobody sees it like I see it. If I don't make something happen, then it's not gonna happen. You don't understand. This pace of life, I've got no choice. If I don't strap my cape on and fly in and save the day, then everything's gonna fall apart. I'm the one, I, it's all on me. It's this feeling of I'm alone to do it. Nobody can else can do the way I do it. If I don't step up and do it, nobody else is going to do it. This pressure that is often felt when I assume full responsibility for every project, every person, every detail, every whatever. 
When I assume full responsibility for that, it causes me to step on a pace of life that is not sustainable, that is certainly not healthy, and is not God's will for you. And you know, people who are, who are fixers, how many of you are fixers? Right, you kind of see a situation, you're like, oh, I gotta be the one. You see the need, it's like, oh, I gotta, be, I gotta, I gotta step right in, I gotta, let, me, let me get my cape on, let me fly right in, let me take care, save the day, right? I've gotta be the one to fix it. And so you feel this added pressure of like, I've got no choice, there's a problem, and certainly I've gotta be the one to do it. And what's even worse is when people start to identify you as a fixer. Once people start realizing you're a fixer, they don't try to fix their problems, they go right to you. Like, hey, you know what? I don't know what to do, but surely so-and-so knows what to do. Surely they'll tell me what to say. They'll, they'll run with it. They'll create this project. They'll stay up all night to take care of it. They'll put things in motion. I don't have to worry about a thing because the fixer feels the pressure of having to fly in and take care of everything. And what you've just taught somebody to do was to be irresponsible with some of the things that they're responsible of doing because you had to save the day. What ends up happening is it leaves you feeling very alone because nobody understands. Look what the psalmist says. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. The Hebrew would read it this way, that, that he is a present, present help in times of trouble. We, we translate it very, help, very present, but he is a present, present help. In other words, God is with you. God shows up. You're not alone. It's not all on you. He says, look, he says, God, verse five, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. We need to recognize that we are not the savior of the world. Jesus is. And when you realize God is with you and he will help you, you don't need to come to the rescue for every single person. You don't need to allow, you don't need to allow the bully of pace to be the boss of you because God will work things out. You don't need to be driven by the pace of things around you thinking you're the only one because God, God has your back. And you see, sometimes when we're, when we're willing to let some things go, it invites other people to step up. And then they get to be blessed and they get to grow. Sometimes we just, you just need to slow down. Sometimes you just gotta, just gotta breathe a little bit. I got this app. How many of you have I, uh, Apple, uh, Apple watches? I got this app. It's funny. Every once in a while, I'll get a link on that says breathe. <laughs> I'm like, I, I thought that's what I was doing. I, I don't know what I was doing, but now I'm being told I need to breathe. So, okay. <sighs> I've come to actually appreciate that because it kind of reminds me that I probably wasn't breathing very intentionally up until that moment because sometimes the pace of life gets me out of breath. And so it's kind of been nice to kind of like just, just sometimes you just need to breathe. Sometimes you just need to take a walk. Hey, great time to take a walk is May 15th. We're coming along Soundview Pregnancy Center for a, a walkathon. You'll be hearing more about that later. 
But sometimes we just need to kind of take a step back and go for a walk or go for a drive or read a book or, or do something to kind of build yourself up. That's what Jude says. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. But you see, the pace of life doesn't allow us to do that. It drives us. It bullies us. It doesn't care if we're leading on empty or not. It just wants the most of us as possible. And so if somebody doesn't step in and put a stop to it and say, no, pace, you're not the boss of me. Great question to ask yourself is this. Does my current pace reflect my awareness that God is with me? Or does it look like I'm running ahead of God? Does my current pace reflect my awareness that God is with me? Or am I running ahead of God? Sometimes we succumb to the crazy pace of life because we feel like it's all on us, we're alone. And you're not alone. Another reason why people succumb to the crazy pace of life is out of fear. Second one is fear. Fear of the unfamiliar. Fear of the unknown. What if I don't keep up? What if I don't meet everybody's expectations? What if I don't fix it? What if I don't show up? What if I'm not the one to run? What are they going to think of me? Will they still love me? Will they still like me? Will they talk about me? It's the fear of if I don't show up and take care of everything, what are people going to think of me? It's fear. And oftentimes fear drives our pace. We jump on that that hamster wheel and we just keep on going because we don't want to discourage anybody. We don't want to disappoint anybody, right? We want to make sure everything is taken care of. But in the end of the day, that is just not sustainable. But out of fear, we just keep on going. I like somebody, somebody mentioned a term. They said, they, they, they use this term FOMO. Maybe some of our younger ones would know what that means. FOMO is the fear of missing out. Oftentimes, we're driven by the fear of missing out. We look and see what everybody else is doing, where everybody else is going, who's meeting, who's gathering, who's partying, who's, and it's like, we, we don't want to miss out on anything. And so we just forget all the things that, that, you know, where we need to take care of. We just jump in because we don't want to miss the party. The fear of missing out. It's this idea of fear driving our pace. What does the psalmist says? He says that, that God, you are a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. I will not allow the fear of life to drive or to, to dictate the pace of my life. Listen. Fear sets a pace that is not sustainable and it responds to the loudest things, not the best things. Fear sets a pace that is not sustainable and it responds to the loudest things, not the best things. Just because you're super busy doesn't mean you're doing everything that God wants you to be doing. You might be doing good things, but they might not be the best things. And so sometimes fear sets a pace that's sustainable, that's not sustainable, which causes us to respond to the loudest things and not the best things. Great question to ask yourself is this, does my pace reflect a life of fear or a life of peace? Does my pace reflect a life of fear 
or a life of peace. We succumb to the pace of life because we feel like it's all up to us. We succumb to the pace of life out of fear. Thirdly, we succumb to the pace of life because we feel out of control. We feel out of control. That's the picture that the psalmist is giving us in verse two and three. Look what he says here. He says, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, he paints a picture of, of chaos, things that are clearly out of our control, right? I mean, you can't control the earth giving way. You can't control the, the storms and the winds and the, and the, and the billowing, uh, the, the, the waves of the day. You can't control those things. And you see, if you're not careful, it's easy to succumb to a chaotic pace when you, when you assume responsibility for things that never were in your control to begin with. Things that you couldn't control if you wanted to. You ever have that happen? You're trying to fix things that are just beyond your ability to fix them? I mean, God gives gifts to the body of Christ, but one of the gifts he has not given to us is deity. We're not God, right? And there's just some things that only God is going to fix. But when we step in in our frailty and in our limitless, we think we'll take care of this. And see, what we do is we merely put a Band-Aid on it, but they don't need a Band-Aid. What they need is healing. And you see, God brings the healing. There are some things they're just not in control of. Pace, you're not the boss of me. You will not control me. You will not bully me. Notice what the psalmist says. He points out that in the midst of all the chaos, right? He paints a picture of all that's going on. He says, in the midst of it all, he says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. You see, what the psalmist was able to do is to step back from the storms and the chaos and he saw, you know what? The river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. He maintained his peace in the midst of it. So here's a great question to ask ourselves. Am I controlling my pace or is my pace controlling me? Am I controlling my pace or is my pace controlling me. When I find myself saying things like, I don't have a choice. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Here's another reason why we succumb to the pace of life. We succumb to the pace of life oftentimes because we're informed by the wrong things. We listen or are dictated to by the wrong things. He says in verse six of chapter 46, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Like we saw before, the psalmist has a, a front row seat to much of the, the chaos that is unfolding around him. And likewise, likewise, we need to know when to tune out the information sources around us so we can hear from God. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. The bully of pace, the bully of demand 
is screaming all around us. Listen, we are bombarded indeed. We are violated by the news media, by social media, by the screaming voices all around us. This world is on a ship called chaos and it wants everybody to jump on board. And there are times where we need to just unplug. Misery loves company. And we need to just know when to unplug and and to tune out the sounds of the nations raging and the kingdoms tottering. That's what he says in verse 46, in in, uh, verse six, look, he says, he says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, when our pace is at breakneck speed because we're being informed by all of the chaos that's going on around us, it limits our ability to hear God's voice. Pastor Cedric is a good friend of mine. He pastors in Jersey and we serve together in our district. And um, he used to play for the Philadelphia Eagles. And um, we had, uh, he had, uh, had a little field trip for whatever pastors wanted to go. He took us to Philly into the stadium on an off day. It was pretty, pretty wild walking in Philadelphia um, Eagles Stadium. And so um, we walk out on the field and it was, it was huge, right? I mean, you look over, so I stepped on, 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 on you know, I'm on the 50-yard line. I'm just kind of looking and you're seeing the stands, the whole st- tens of thousands of people. And, and obviously there was nothing going on that day, but, but, but it's just kind of, you know, just an overwhelming reality. And, and, but he said something I thought was very interesting. He said, you know, because on game day, it would be crazy. And the fans would be screaming and the banners would be going and the bands would be playing and everybody's yelling and there's just so much going on. And he said, what was amazing is that he goes, I never realized that this would happen. He says, but I was able to hear in the midst of all of that, I'd be able to hear my coach on the sideline. And I'm like, how did you, how in the midst of all of this that was going on, how did you hear the coach's voice? He said, you just learned how to tune into it. And I thought, that'll preach one day. Because you know what? The chaos and the screaming and all the craziness of the world, if we're not careful, it can drown out the voice of God. And if we, we need to really be willing to unplug sometimes, turn the idiot box off once in a while, and just stop being bombarded by all of the information that is being vomited all over everybody and just turn it off and be in God's presence a little bit. Pace, you're not the boss of me. God is. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to unplug. I'm going to tune out. I'm going to disconnect from the things that are screaming louder than God's voice in my life and I'm going to listen to him. And so a great assessment question would be, am I more in tune with what God is saying or the talking points of the day that drive my pace? Am I more in tune with what God is saying or the talking points that drive my pace? You see, 
when we're more in tune with what is going on around us, then we fail to see that God is at work in the midst of it all. When we get so busy doing and reacting and we get on this crazy pace of life, we fail to appreciate and see what God is doing in our midst, which also causes us to succumb to the pace of life, which is the fifth thing that I wanna highlight to you. It's we succumb to the pace of life because we're not beholding what God is doing. We're not beholding what God is doing. Look what the the psalmist says. He says in verse 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 eight, he says, come and behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. You see, when our pace reflects our failure to see God at work, we try to accomplish in our own strength what God can only accomplish through us. When I fail to see that God is at work in the midst, then I need to fly in and settle everybody's problems. Come and behold the works of the Lord. Sometimes you've got to hit the pause button and just behold what God is doing. You see this picture of chaos that the psalmist paints for us. It isn't about the chaos. Psalm 46 isn't about the chaos going around, going on in the world. Psalm 46 is about the God who is over all of the chaos. Yes, it seems like things are crazy sometimes, but I'm looking beyond the chaos. I'm looking above it all and I'm seeing a sovereign God who loves me and invites me to slow down and behold the works of the Lord. If we don't slow down and behold the works of the Lord, we are going to be leading on our own strength. And one of the things that, that one of the words that, 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 that really many of us need to learn how to use is this one. Take a note, ready? No. No. We, we, you can't be so afraid of disappointing people. Listen, every time you say no, somebody else will step up. And if they don't, then obviously you've just exposed a problem that we need to fix. Right? Every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else. You realize that, right? Every yes to something is a no to something else. Usually what ends up happening is every time we say yes to something else, it's usually no to ourselves or no to our family who knows us best and will understand. Well, they'll understand. That's just the pace of life that I'm in. They gotta, we gotta stop expecting them to understand. But they need to become a priority. You need to become a priority. And you need to get used to saying no once in a while. It's okay. Try it. Ready, right? One, two, three. Didn't that feel good? It's okay to say no once in a while because here's the thing. When you say no, you're recognizing I'm not the all in all. I can't do everything. Listen, I've got a 
I've got a full plate. I've got responsibilities that are I'm in over my head on. But you know what? I'm able to I'm able to sleep well at night because I realize that it's not all on me. God surrounded me with really gifted people that 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 I'm able to lean on and learn from and, and work with. And it's, it's a team. And it's like, I look and think, if I felt like everything was on me, I'd have been out of ministry 15 years ago. God doesn't equip us to do everything. God doesn't give everybody all the gifts, but he gives everybody a gift. And if we'll all come together and use what we have, things get accomplished and people aren't getting burnt out. And so sometimes you just need to slow down a little bit. Give yourself permission to say, no, it's okay. Will people be okay with it? Not always. Matter of fact, I guarantee you they're not going to be okay with it. But you know what? You'll be a better tool in the kingdom of God when you learn the best places to say yes and the places to say no. So here's a great question to ask yourself. Am I beholding the works of God or the chaos around me? Am I beholding the work of God? Come and behold the work of the Lord. Am I beholding the work of God or am I holding on to and being informed by the chaos around me? Notice the call of the psalmist then. He says it's to move on from beholding the works of the Lord to now being still before God. Look what he says in verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I love that. That know is not just intellectual assent, but it is, it's knowing deep in your knower. That it's a sense of firm conviction, of unwavering knowledge. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I love this. What God is reassuring the psalmist and each and every one of us is, God is in control. I will be exalted. Don't worry about what you see going on around you. God is in control. He's not quarantined himself from the world. God is very much involved with what's going on. And you see, sometimes we succumb to the pace of life because we're not taking time to be still, to pause. Can I tell you that knowing he is God sometimes requires you to be still enough to let him be God. Let be God be God in your situation. Don't, listen, don't solve every problem just by your intuition, with what makes sense to you. Sometimes it's just a reflex, especially you fixers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You see the problem and you fix it. But maybe God wanted that to linger a little bit. And maybe God's doing something far deeper than what you're thinking needs to be fixed or tweaked right here. And what God says is, be still and, and know that I'm God. And if you're not being still, you're not going to walk in that understanding that God is God over all of these things. And when you know he is God, you can look at the pace of your life and say no more. Pace, you're not the boss of me. I'm not going to be driven and controlled and bullied by the things that are screaming the loudest around me. 
I instead am good, the new normal, here's my new normal. I now am going to behold the works of the Lord. I'm going to take times and be still in the presence of God. I'm going to be at peace in the situation. I'm going to not allow fear to control me. And that starts today. Because your new normal starts now. Father, thanks for your word. I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us would examine our pace of life, the speed at which we go about our day, and that we would reflect on that and make whatever adjustments we need to so that our pace would be an act of worship to you that our pace would serve us instead of us serve it, so that we might be more effective in our homes and in our jobs, in our relationships, in the kingdom of God. Help us to slow down enough to hear your voice. Help us to tune in intently so we drowned out the screams and the chaos that's going on all around us. We thank you that you invite us to this place of relationship. You invite us to this place of understanding the fullness and the wholeness of who you are in our lives. Lord, may we, may we prioritize that each and every day of our life. In Christ's name we pray, amen.